Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. We serve a miraculous God. What does that mean? God still does miracles today. He has done miracles in the past, but he's doing miracles today, and he will continue to do so until he establishes his kingdom. Now, my question to you as we begin this study is this. What is a miracle? What does a miracle accomplish? And the answer is this. A miracle brings something into God's order. Now, there's a principle that we can derive from that. If you are not interested in God's order to dominate your life, don't expect a miracle. And in order to receive a miracle, we must agree with God. Agree with His purposes, His timing, His order, everything that God wants to achieve in this world, we should be submissive to. And that desire to submit to God's order will bring His activity into our life. We can say it differently. It will bring an anointing upon the believer. Well, take out your Bible and look with me to the book of Luke and chapter 9. The book of Luke and chapter 9. Now, we're going to begin in a moment in verse 37. And we're going to see that a healing takes place, a miraculous healing. But I want you to be aware of something. The disciples were called to do that miracle, but they could not. Why? Well, remember what we learned last week. They were not agreeing with God. They did not understand his identity. They did not perceive what this miraculous event called the transfiguration, what it reveals. And because they did not grasp that, they could not utilize the power of God in their life. Look with me to that first verse, verse 38, where it says, or verse 37, where it says, but it came about on the next day. Now, that phrase in verse 37 it came about on the next day, ties what we're studying now with what we studied a week ago. Once more. But it came about on the next day, after coming down from the mountain, who came down? Yeshua and those three disciples. We see that Yeshua is once again with the disciples when this event took place. So after coming down from the mountain, we see that there was a large crowd. And this crowd stood with him, meaning they met him. They came upon Yeshua. And notice what it says, now verse 38. And behold, a man from the crowd 
What was he doing? He was crying. Now, this crying means he had strong emotion, and he was with that emotion crying out to Yeshua, beseeching him for help. And let me just pause for a moment and say that is a wise thing to do. You will most certainly encounter things in your life that bring sadness, hardship, difficulty. And the wise thing to do is to cry out to him, to seek his influence into your situation. That's what faith brings about, turning a person to him for his help, his assistance. He loves you. And he has perfectly demonstrated that love to you. So look again. It says that this one was crying out saying, Teacher, I beseech you that you look upon my son. Now, the words here are very intense words. And he's saying this with great desire because of what's happening. We're going to see that his son, and we're going to learn something about his son, was suffering greatly. And obviously, any father, any mother does not want to see their children suffering. And therefore, what we're learning here is that wisdom leads us to pray to Messiah for help. As I said, he loves you. He's able and he will bring about a change. But realize that that change, if it's going to come about, it is for you to agree with him about everything. Oftentimes, we experience difficulties or our loved ones experience difficulties in order to influence us to bring about a change in our life that we agree with God, we are committed to him, and our life reflects that commitment. So before we go any further, we need to ask ourselves, am I really committed to him? Do I want to agree with his purposes and participate in what's important to God? Is that who I am? Is that how I behave? Are those things my objective? If not, realize you need to change. And things are not going to be different in your life until you change. So many times what we go through and what we witness, the pain, the suffering, the discomfort of others, we witness that in order to bring a change in our life. Look again. He was speaking and he says, I beseech you that you would look upon my son because... End of verse 38, because an only begotten, and the implication is, he is my only begotten son. He is my only one. Verse 39. And now he's going to explain what the problem is. Now, we're going to see some wisdom in that. When you have a problem, share that problem with the Lord. Describe it. But do not tell him how to solve the problem. Because many times, Messiah has a very different way of solving that problem than you may think. And if you get focused on, this is the way it's going to be solved, this is how my help's coming. 
you focus in on that so much that he's doing something else and you miss out on God's work, his activity in that situation. Verse 39, he explains it. And behold, a spirit takes him and suddenly he cries out, that would be his son, he cries out and, and this is a word for afflicting, oppression. It's a word of, of causing perhaps convulsions. And what happens is this, that unclean spirit comes upon his son and he goes through great torment, great suffering. And it says as well, even with foaming, and that would imply foaming at the mouth. And with difficulty, meaning it's very hard for this unclean spirit to part. And when he does, it's also a most uncomfortable situation when he departs from him and he leaves him bruised, meaning his departure bruises him. Verse 40. Now, this father is going to give additional background, and that is this. Prior to coming to Yeshua with this problem, beseeching Yeshua to act, to help, what did he, what had he had done? Well, look on, it says here, and I had beseech your disciples in order that they should cast him, meaning this, this unclean spirit out, but notice, and they were not able. Now, why weren't they able? Well, the reason is simple. We have to go back to that previous section of the transfiguration where Peter, and Peter probably wasn't any different than the other disciples. I'm speaking about those who witnessed the transfiguration, John and Yaakov. We learned something. They didn't get it. They did not understand it. They did not share anything about it because they were confused. They did not perceive what God wanted them to learn. And what was that? That Messiah is God. And therefore, the glory of God comes out from him. It's not that he reflects the glory of God. He does in his behavior, but the very glory of God is internal within him. It comes forth from him because of his identity. And they had not come to that understanding of the true identity of Yeshua, Jesus of Nazareth, as the only begotten son, meaning God among them. Well, look on to verse 41. We see Messiah's response. And he answered that as Yeshua answered and said to the fact that his disciples weren't able to do anything, he said, unbelieving, and the word here for unbelieving is really against faith. That's literally what it is. They were against faith. And what's faith? The truth of God. They were against God's truth. They weren't agreeing with God's word, nor were they a forthright or straight generation. They were perverse. And here's the takeaway for us. When we don't agree with God, we are going to go in the wrong direction. We are going to, to be turned in an incorrect road, traveling upon it incorrectly. It's only when we accept the truth of God, 
will that truth work in our life to put us on the right path in the right direction and for the right purposes and when we are in that wrong way we are not going to have access to the power and we're not going to experience the will of god or the blessings of god we're not going to take hold of the power of god his provision for us we have to be in the right place and faith that is agreeing with the truth of god that's what faith is positions us so that we can receive god's order into our life so look again verse 41 but yeshua answered he said unbelieving and perverse generation until when will i be with you and suffer you meaning i put up i bear you and we find that he goes on to say look at the middle of verse 41 he says bring you bring your son here verse 42 but still coming to him meaning the father was still in the process of bringing his son to yeshua and what happened the demon now we have a change in word earlier he was a spirit we're going to see an unclean spirit in a moment but now there's a change in vocabulary and he is called a demon and that's literally what it says and what do we know well there is a connection between unclean spirits demons and the enemy satan and what we find here is that satan is about one thing satan never agrees with god satan is wise now he's not wise like god but he has greater wisdom and understanding than you and i do but here's the problem he never accepts what wisdom should produce in one's life instead of using what he knows for the will of god in order that he could be blessed and participate in the things of god that's what wisdom really is about instead of that he rebels he never agrees with god and everything that comes out of his mouth is for the purpose of deceiving you and it's only when you embrace the truth of god that is what faith is all about that you're going to be in god's will doing his will and receiving the will of god the purposes of god in your life so we see here that while he that is the father was bringing his son to yeshua we read that the demon came down upon him and once again began to to afflict oppress some bibles will say tear others will say cause him to go into convulsions and what did yeshua do well now we're going to see an additional point we learned last week in the transfiguration that the glory of god the divinity of god it's also possible to say emitted from yeshua the transfiguration showed his true identity as god among us and because he's god he has and hear this absolute authority now i've been talking about wisdom and faith and understanding that begins when you recognize his authority over you and 
his absolute authority over all things. That's what you and I are called to demonstrate in every word that we speak, every decision we make, and every action we take, that we are under his authority. That's what faithfulness produces. That's what, what true desire to serve God will bring about in your life, obedience to his authority. So look again what the scripture says, middle of verse 42. But Yeshua rebuked, and here's where it says, the unclean spirit. And I think it's so important that the word unclean is there. First time, just spirit. Next time, demon. Now, unclean spirit. Why? The word unclean. That which is unclean, God will not bless. And what we're going to see here is that God uses his authority over that unclean spirit, over that demon, to rid that young man of the demon in order that the purposes of God can be established in his life. And that's why God does miracles, and anything God does is miraculous. We'll see that in a moment, but let's conclude where it says, Yeshua rebuked the unclean spirit and healed the child and gave him to his father. What do we see here? A restoration. But there's a difference. That father and the son were together. But now that son had been healed. And what do we learn? They have now been restored as God always intended. The enemy attacked. The enemy brought about pain and suffering and sadness. But through the authority of Messiah's word. What does the scripture say? He rebuked that unclean spirit. That shows his absolute power. And what we, what we need to do is recognize that power, recognize his authority, submit to him so that we can experience God's restoration. And what is that? Restoring us back to his will. It's his will where a true disciple wants to be. We want God to work in our life to restore us to his purposes. That's what maturity is. And therefore, we continue to read. Look at verse 43. But all were amazed. And what were they amazed at? Well, your Bible may say the mighty power. It's literally where we get the word majesty from. Now, majesty comes from a Greek word mega, which means great or in abundance. And what we're talking about here is simply the abundance, power, and presence of God in a situation. And when that happens, the majesty of God is manifested. And we need to see something. The majesty of God is seen because of his restoration. Him putting things in order. So let's pause for a moment and ask ourselves a question. And that is this. Do we really want God's order in our life? Is that something that you are willing to pray about? To say, God, more than anything else, I want your order to, to govern my life. I want to be in your will. I want to be doing your purposes. I want to demonstrate righteousness. 
that people might see your glory and they can experience your presence in a situation because of my obedience, because of my faithfulness. That's what we're called to do. And the enemy is against that. And hear this. What does the enemy do? He distracts you. His objective is to move you away from God's will. Because when he gets you out of his will, what happens? When you're out of the will of God, you're not going to have access to God's provision. You're not going to be a recipient of his power. You're not going to see things from God's perspective. And therefore, instead of experiencing victory and overcoming the attacks of the enemy, the enemy is going to bring you down. And what is his objective? Well, we see it in the scripture. We see that this young man was bruised. He had convulsions. He was cast down. He suffered greatly. And we also read that with difficulty, meaning that unclean spirit, that demon, didn't want to exit him. He enjoyed causing suffering. And that is the nature of the enemy. Realize that. God, what does God want to do? God wants to bless. And you find his blessing in his will. And God will move in your life to restore you to his will. But here's the key. We have to want that. And that all begins with us agreeing with God. That God's ways are the best ways. And that means that we take our desires, our wants, our dreams, what we think our destiny is, and we take all of that and we cast it aside. We nail it to the cross. We, we say, this is not of God. Because the scripture teaches us something. When one does what is right in his eyes, it's evil in the eyes of God. It is only when I set aside my perspective and ask God, God, reveal to me your perspective. I want to know your will. I want to know your plan. I want to know your purpose. It is only when I have that as my objective, then I will experience that anointing. Then I'm going to have God moving in my life to bring his purposes to a reality for me so we look once more at verse 43 all were amazed at the majesty of god verse 43 at the bottom and all were wondering or marveling at all what yeshua had done and he said to his disciples and he uses a term and that term means to to sink down and what he's talking about is his words that he's about to share he says let these words such words that i'm going to share let them sink down into your ears and what does he want to say for the son of man is to be betrayed and the word here is about about to be betrayed into the hands of man now, we need, we need to see he has authority. He has power over the demonic world. 
and the majesty of God he possesses. But what is he going to do? He is going to submit. To submit to what? To his father's will. And we know what he's referring to when he says that the son of man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men. He's talking about being arrested and ultimately being crucified on Passover. Last verse, verse 45, where it says, But these, meaning these ones, his disciples, they were not understanding. They were not perceiving this word. And it was covered, and that can mean hidden. It's literally the word for veil, taking something and covering it up so it cannot be seen. Now, it's not God's will to ever conceal truth from from his people. But here's the lesson for us. When I do not believe what God has shown me, these disciples, I'm talking about Peter, John, and Yaakov, they had witnessed the transfiguration, but they were, were not understanding the significance of it. And therefore, they could not grasp and conceive the purpose of God, that Messiah was sent into this world to give his life as a ransom for sin, as redemption for sin. So they did not understand this word, for it was hidden from them in order that they should not understand it. Now, again, it's not saying God's will is that they don't understand it. No, that's not the implication. God's will is this. When we reject his truth, it is going to conceal to us his plans, his purpose, what he wants to reveal to us. So when we are like Pharaoh and God convicts us of something, we see it. But we don't respond to it out of obedience. We don't agree with God. We're not going to understand the other things that God would have us to know. And it says it was concealed from them in order that they should not understand him. And what did they experience? But they were afraid. They had fear. They were afraid to ask him concerning this word. Now, we see something prophetically. Over and over in the prophets, we see that there's that suffering servant. Messiah is going to suffer and even die. And even though the scripture is clear about that, we see even to this day, those who reject God's truth can't perceive Yeshua as the suffering servant. That Messiah does two distinct works. He comes the first time, and he's called the son of Joseph, a suffering servant that gives his life as a redemption. And he's coming again as the son of David, that conquering king. And David had a kingdom, and Messiah is returning to establish that kingdom. And it's only when you agree with God that you are committed to his plans and his purposes that you will have the perspective in order to behave properly as these kingdom times are approaching, that we get ready for the last days. Well, I'll close with that until next week. May God bless you. Shalom from Israel. Mm-hmm.
Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel. Shalom from Israel.